Podcast. Let's talk about the weather. Hello, everybody, to today's episode of Oddcast. If you listened to our last episode, then you remember that transportation plays a big role in our application portfolio. And coming from the road weather monitoring from last time, today we switch gears and talk about railway monitoring. So we have quite similar challenges here, but also some specific features that we will discuss today with two of our transportation weather experts from Europe and from the US. So from the States, I welcome Laura. Hello, Laura. Hello. How are you doing, Martin? I'm fine. Thank you. I'm looking forward to today's episode and uh, session with you and Frank Zuckolf, who's coming and uh, connected from Berlin. Hi, Frank. Hello, Martin. Hi, everyone. <coughs> so, as I've mentioned um, last time, we talked about this uh, streamlined or compact road weather information systems. Um, starting maybe from that, so we have very yeah, a selection of parameters of atmospheric properties which are relevant for road weather monitoring, and of course. Um, the set of parameters for ro uh, railway weather is similar to that. So maybe we can start with an overview of important uh, weather information that, that can uh, impact railway transportation. Frank, do you want to start with that, giving a short introduction? Yes, of course, yeah. I'm glad to do that. Um, of course, um, roads and, and railways face the same sort of weather um, but the, the effects are different uh, wind is a very major one uh, you have the, the cross winds you have front winds having an impact on the speed and on, on the side winds <clears throat> then you have ice snow snow very big you have even leaves on the, on the rail tracks that have an impact <laughs> there's water flooding there's uh, a temperature heat that has an impact and loads of parameters and uh, they, they all have a huge impact on the operation on the passenger passenger safety on the staff safety even so there's loads of parameters that need to be monitored when we have uh, road weather in our memory from last time in our heads um, what is the main difference what would differentiate um, those applications um With the roads, um, it's mainly about braking, keeping the safety for everyone in the traffic, um, icing, snow, making sure that no accidents happen. Whilst on, on the railway, we have also the operational, because they have timetables to follow, we have to make sure that, the, or the operations have to make sure that they arrive in time. People are expecting that they have a timetable and that the operator is sticking to that one. So who would be interested mainly in this set of information or this set of data? Well, it's, it's the train operators making sure that the trains are up and safe. Um, it's the network operators because that's often enough a different company. And then there's the platform operators making sure that there's passion, passenger safety as well. Then 
you have loads of different areas uh, like hump yards or other places where where staff is working and uh, they are all interested in in this kind of uh, information weather information so when we talk about those different applications i guess there is no one fits all solution but rather a tailored approach depending on the set of information that you would like to have um Laura, I know that you are working on a sort of new project uh, or new application. Um, tell tell us more about that. How what how is that approach when when you get something like that on your table? In terms of the specific application that we're working with right now, um, we have a company called Train Your Tech here in the U.S. that um, has software that helps define. It brings in a lot of different information and helps to find the best way to run the uh, hump yard and to, to plan the um, sorting of the trains, if you will. And they're using the um, WS-800 at those stations, which gives them wind, air temperature, relative humidity, dew point, as well as precipitation, lightning events, and solar radiation. And they're using those parameters to help make sure that they have the um, have the right parameters coming into their system so that they can determine how fast the train cars are going to come down that artificial hill that is built in a lot of, of train yards so that gravity can um, uh, roll them gently down the hill so that they're not... Um, uncontrolled and connect them with other other trains um, and other cars. So just to understand that properly, so this hump yard is something like the garage or the, the parking lot for, for the uh, uh, cabbages, right? <laughs> yes, it's... Um it's kind of an there's a hill that's kind of you know it's typically artificially made and then you've got all the different trucks that are going to help sort them so it's a uh, way to sort the vehicles so that they're um, back and ready to 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 get on with their next next run so something i didn't know either so there's no train actively pushing or pulling that to that yard but they are just thrown around that peak and then slowly floating to their place. Yep, they're uncoupled at the top of the hill and then they um, uh, coast down with the help of gravity to uh, reconnect um, to other cars at the bottom of the hill. So the idea is that, that it's uh, gentle and they're not slamming into one another. And I understand that in, in German there's a different word for the hump yard. Frank, what's that? The German yeah. word? Bahnhof, That's the one. But there's the same uh, principle behind that. Uh, yeah, often enough, uh, they don't have humps out here. Not having not enough space for that, and then not having such long trains as in the US. But in the end, yes, the, the problems are the same. They, they have to make sure uh, the vacuums arrive at the, at the right track and then that they can buckle them all up. Laurie, you mentioned the use of the WS-800, which is uh, one of our uh, top-level weather sensors, and it has the um, biggest set or... Um, yeah, yeah, it's the set of, of sensors together. Um, there's a lot of 
or there are many other WS weather stations below that. Uh, I mean, for every application, you can find one. So let's talk about other models and where they can be used. Some applications that come into your mind when you think about railway monitoring. What are typical um, applications and which sensors would you recommend? Well, I, I know the other... Um the other parameter that is obviously a, a big issue for, for trains is snow on the tracks. So with the snow height monitor, we can know exactly how much snow there is on the ground. Um, and obviously with the precipitation coming down, knowing if it's currently snowing and what that rate is as well, so that you can understand what the future problems are, are going to be with the snow buildup on the track. Um, obviously for the first car crossing, it's a bigger deal than for the subsequent ones because it um, gets pushed off, but then you have the issue of blowing snow. So we have that set of sensors, the weather station that measures the precipitation, the incoming snow, and then the snow height sensor that detects how much snow is already on on the ground, right? Correct. What and else as Frank mentioned, yeah. sorry, and as Frank mentioned before, the wind sensor is obviously of critical importance if the wind, uh, wind affecting the, the trains, if it's it's a headwind it's gonna slow them down if it's a tailwind it will it will speed them up so the speed and the direction of the wind is critical as well i mean those train passages can be very long so railway spanning across a whole country um how many sensors do you typically have or how far what is the distance between sensors what would you recommend or what are the um, the factors you have to consider when you set up such a network. I'll let Frank field this one. Okay, yeah. Well, that very much depends on the topography. It's it's the mountains, the the valleys, the seaside, or whatever. There's so many different parameters, and we would need to to look at the the whole system, the whole network, to figure out where best to place it. Um, there's, for example, uh, flooding. Flooding is a major issue in, in some countries. And uh, then it comes to the point where we need to look at the um, potential landslips. Where, where are they prone to happen? Um, what other effects are there? Is there a river? Do we need to monitor uh, the water level there? Is, is that coming over to the rail tracks as well? So it's very many different parameters um, within the, the network. There, there isn't one thing that says every five kilometers you need to have a wind sensor unless you're, you're having the track along the seaside and you need to monitor the, the, the wind along that stretch. So getting the information is one thing, but what can they do? I mean, we can't change the weather, obviously, but what are typical uh, actions or countermeasures that are related to weather information? Well, one of the easier ones is, is the, the switch heating, for example. In wintertime, snow can build up within the switches and blocks that. Or 
do you have leaves in between and water and then it starts freezing and the switch switches wouldn't move anymore so you need to heat that you know if you had monitored the, the precipitation the amount of precipitation kind of type of precipitation and you know the tracks are below freezing so you need to heat that up you need to heat the switches very easy one but when it comes to to other effects um, freezing rain for example uh, when the, when the um, cantonaries freeze and and the pantographs have no contact anymore to the overhead lines then there's much you can do but stop the trains within the train station so at least everyone can get out and get some warm tea something out there so each effect each each problem that they are facing you need to monitor differently you need to have different forecasts or you need to monitor different parameters and then act on them accordingly well before the train is hitting the problem or at least warn passengers when it's for for example platform safety so so the platforms you prevent them from getting slippery or you take measures to uh, get yeah, the eyes of the least, platform yeah at least yeah it's easier to put a signal out a message saying look it's it's too windy better not get out of the train or find something to grab on <laughs> something like that so when we talk about a, a real case those are now um, potential applications are there any um, yeah, case study that you can present or talk about well yeah of course we had that uh, hump yard thing from uh, train yard tech uh, we have in the UK for example um, a landslip system monitoring system where exactly where we have our wind sensors out there our WS sensors we measure the precipitation amount the, the amount of water we even have uh, sensors in the in the bankments just to make sure that there's how much moisture there is and if there if there had happened any landslips in in those areas where it's prone to happen and out there, I think we had 61 stations that are constantly monitoring the, the embankments. What are typical advantages or typical points those train operators and train network operators, what are they looking for when they choose um, a monitoring system? So what should that monitoring system offer apart from accurate weather information maintenance free um, you have to imagine there's loads of uh, information being gathered along the tracks the rail tracks and the less you have to invest on, on making sure everything is working fine the easier it gets for for the operators so they, they want it as maintenance free as reliable as possible I, I would add to that the ease of integration into their system um, with Modbus output into the SCADA. I know the WS series works really nicely. And you also brought up the possibility of adding other sensors apart from the weather station. Um, for example, the, the snow height sensor. And for sure, there are other sensors that could provide additional information. Um, 
how does that work in in our case so is that easy to add further weather information or do you have to run new cables along the rails each sensor would require its own power and communication line and um, just setting them up so that they're providing the signal output required to make sure they're working together as a system is, is obviously important. And in addition, uh, we, we're trying to make sure that we're not interfering with any any of the tracks. Um, there's again safety that is most important here. and. We, we try to put our sensors as far away as possible so that they still measure the accurately the snow height, for example, or the rail temperature, amount of water, rain, precipitation type, loads of parameters, but still being off the track so that they don't interfere with any trains passing, not causing any risk. Frank, why is the rail temperature so important? In many um, countries, you have differences between summer and winter, especially the further north you get. And in winter time, um, steel shrinks, while in summer time, it expands. So it's it's quite important uh, that you that the tracks are not cracking in winter time because they are being stretched too far, or in the summer time that they they bulk and then uh, you. You get problems with the, with the steel moving with the sleepers, and then trains can't pass that anymore. So the the temperature itself is very important. Steel being extending and it, during the the year, it's exp- expanding and shrinking again in winter. Frank, what kind of sensor is measuring the rail temperature? It's standard temperature sensors, uh, PT100s, um, that are uh, clamped directly to the to the rail underneath, so the sunshine isn't directly affecting the, the sensor, but measuring the rail temperature only. So you mentioned the switch heating as a potential um, countermeasure to de-ice those switches, but what can be done against rails that become too hot? You, you can only stop the traffic there or make sure that you cool that somehow. Um, cooling steel though is, is, is a major thing. Um, this summer in France they had temperatures well over 50 degrees Celsius and yes they, they were built for that but a bit more and then they can only make constructural changes. Either trees along the side of the track so there's shading. They can cool with a special tanker that they spread water on on the, on the tracks. But in the end, you can't you can't go against the sunshine. So there isn't that much immediately you can do. You have to have constructual changes, more sleepers, stronger connections, and then you, you might overcome that problem. When we talk about those specific combinations of sensors they are quite similar to what we know from from road weather application but the use of the information sounds to be different here Um, if i am somebody or if i were somebody from such a train network um, how could i approach you frank or where do i could i get more information about that well we have we have 
put together a few application notes describing the problems, the challenges, and, and what we could offer as a solution, how that could be integrated, and uh, what the parameters mean, how they can be used, and how that could influence the decision-making, how that could influence yeah, anything that happens along the tracks, making sure that the safety is kept up, that the timetable is hopefully kept up. So, and then of course connecting, contacting our, our sales guys and us as well. I will put the this um, set of application notes, we put that together in a brochure, um, in the details of this episode, so make sure you check that out. And Frank, I've heard you are traveling to Berlin, which is not very far from your place, of course, uh, and going to InnoTrans. Tell us something about that. Yes, the InnoTrans is an international uh, exhibition on anything related to railways. That is from railway operators, manufacturers, and all the signaling, um, all the combination possibles. It's about different uh, underground trams, commuter trains and freight trains, everything being there, high-speed trains. And in the end, uh, it's the perfect um, stage for us to be at and talk to all of these stakeholders so that they get the information about the weather as well. So speaking now again to both of you or asking both of you, um, Looking through the lens of the respective markets, so Laura, you from the US and Frank, you uh, talking um, from Europe's perspective, um, do you think there is a growing need for weather information? Is that something, a sort of gap uh, that those train network operators are identifying? Or is it something that al always has been there? I think from my side in the seeing the market in the US, I do think the need has always been there, but I think that the algorithms for bringing the data in are getting more sophisticated, whereas opposed to before maybe people going out and checking the weather, now they're actually getting real data to make decisions. And it sounds like there's very um, discrete algorithms that depending on the parameters coming in, that they're looking at um, different outputs as opposed to in the past, maybe it was more generic um, so that people can be making better decisions with with the, the more data that they have now. Yes, and out here, yeah, out here in, in Europe, I, I think um, with the climate change, the, the need has risen. Um, we have very local effects in, in summertime with heavy flooding, with heavy rainfall, and in wintertime everything stays warmer, but then all of a sudden you have heavier snowfall in, in some places. Of course this has a huge impact, and Europe being a very scattered market when it comes to, to railways, where some countries even have different train operators in, in one country, um, it becomes very important for all of them to understand and have objective information about what's happening on the tracks. I mean, what I'm hearing from other markets, not only transportation, but um, relying on the National Weather Service or the network of the National Weather Services um, is sometimes a bit tricky because the microclimate of a weather in a respective place can differ even if it's not too far 
from from the next national weather station. Um, so more and more people are looking for uh, their own weather data, which then uh, on the other side can be integrated into uh, weather services again. So it's um, yeah. How do you say in German? It's uh, um, win-win situation. Yeah, exactly. It's not even in German. Yeah, it's a win-win situation. Yeah. Is it yeah. something you're observing too? Yes, I, I, I do. Um, it's the well, it had been a lose-lose situation in, in the past, where there was not enough information. The, the grid forecast grids were too large, and then you had local events where heavy rainfall, heavy snowfall in, in just a few locations that you can't forecast and you can't precisely forecast them. And that's the thing that the operators are after. They need to know in advance. They, they If their train runs into a snow block and getting a snow blow out is far more difficult than leaving the train in the, in the train station and then get everything ready for them to, to take off again. So we are now at the last day of a three-month experiment in Germany um, where uh, public transportation has come at a very low cost for everybody as a, as a standard price of nine euros. Um, I have witnessed a lot of full trains and I guess the need of getting more trains on the rails uh, that will increase for sure. Um, and with that, the information for or more information, uh, what's happening along the rails. So I guess this is an application that will um, be with us for the next years. And I'm glad we started talking about that. And I'm sure it wasn't the last time. Uh, but for now, uh, I thank you very much. Thank you, Laura, and thank you, Frank, for having um, for being on the show. Um, for your listeners, I would recommend to take a look in the episode details. You will find the mentioned brochure. And apart from that, hear you next time. Bye. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's talk about the weather.